welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fear Free. Fear Free provides online and in-person education to veterinary professionals, the pet professional community, and pet owners. Fear Free has become one of the single most transformative initiatives in the history of companion animal practice. It provides unparalleled education on emotional well-being, enrichment, and the reduction of fear, anxiety, and stress in pets. Today on the podcast, I am thrilled to welcome on a past fellow Mizzou veterinary school student and now a newly minted veterinarian, Dr. Megan Burtnett. Dr. Megan just finished her first week as a veterinarian, and we thought it would be a great idea to talk about not only what her experience has been as a new vet, but also her journey to finding her first job. I'm super excited to pick Dr. Megan's brain about the advice she has for veterinary students as they begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel and step out into the real world. All right, Dr. Megan, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you. Good. I'm so glad to have you on and um, thank you again for, for reaching out to me to, to come onto the podcast and talk about this topic today. Um, I obviously think it's super relevant to to all of us vet students because we're one day going to be hopefully working out in the real world and, and you're doing that now. So um, I guess before we start, congratulations on finishing vet school. Thank you very much. Cool. So before we get into the topic today, I just wanted to ask to uh, ask for you to give a, a brief background about yourself, what you're doing, where you're from, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, I grew up about 30 minutes south of St. Louis area and went to high school, really small um, public high school, Windsor Owls. And I went to undergrad at Webster University in St. Louis. Um, lived at home, so never really had that full in-depth college experience sure. until I went to vet school at Mizzou. Um, it was a very tough four years, but it was a great four years. I met a lot of great people, and now I am living in Rockledge, Florida, which is right next to Cocoa Beach. Um, it's very nice so far. I've been here for about three weeks. And I'm working at Rockledge Animal Clinic, and I just finished my first week of work. Awesome. Congrats. So how was the first week? Uh, it was good. Uh, it went by very fast. Um, I'm very tired, but uh, I really like everyone I work with so far has been so patient and helpful. And, you know, my one of my biggest fears was that I look very young, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I was afraid that clients would be a little taken aback when I walk in the room, but all the clients have been really great. Um, one even said that they saw me on the clinic Facebook page and they're like, congratulations and welcome. So, um, all the, all the clients have been really nice. So that's good. Awesome. Terrific. So. Um, so today's topic obviously is about the first job, the first week and, and kind of getting those, those scary first moments out of, of transitioning from being a vet student to being a veterinarian. So when in vet school, did you start actively looking for your first job? So I believe I started about right after I took the Napoli and 
I think I started a little early, actually. Mm-hmm. But the problem was I didn't really know where I wanted to go. So I started looking a lot earlier than um, a lot of my friends and a lot of my classmates. And then I actually didn't accept a job until um, very late. Um, I believe it was April when I finally signed my contract. So um, it kind of depends. Um, I don't think you need to have a set time from when you start looking or when you sign your contract. I found that there are a lot of jobs out there, a lot more than you expect. And it can be a little overwhelming, actually. Mm -hmm. But... um, if you don't, you know, land that first interview or find the perfect one after 10 interviews, um, don't be completely discouraged. There's there's one out there for you. Right. And I've heard that also from talking with veterinarians at a couple of different conferences I was at the last couple of years is that everyone's hurting for veterinarians right now. And, and they love new graduates because we're moldable and um, we're really easily uh, able to be influenced and, and all of that cool stuff. So um, I think it's a really good time to be um, a veterinarian, let alone a new veterinarian. So yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, hopefully that's gonna, that's gonna stake around for a while. So um, you mentioned that, that you didn't sign your contract until relatively late uh, in relation to other students in, in your class. Did that give you any anxiety? Like, do you wish you had signed earlier? Or did it really make any difference to you uh, before you graduated? Yes. Um, So what made my search a little more difficult? I'm not going to say more difficult than my classmates because I I feel that it's very stressful for everyone. But um, I my boyfriend and I decided that we wanted to make it a priority to find a place we could go together Um, and not not work together because he's doing horses. But um, we wanted to live together. So. Um, we're both from the St. Louis area, and we thought now um, more than ever would be a great time to kind of branch out and um, try somewhere new. Um, so we started looking on the AVMA website is a good place, really great place to start. They have what's called the Career Center, mm-hmm. and you can upload your resume and um, search jobs there. A lot of employers go there and post their job listings on there. And you can filter it however you want, by area, by what type of job you want. It's really great. And so our goal was to find somewhere to go together. So we started looking all over the place, really. Um, We had interviews in Kentucky and interviews in Florida. I had some interviews in St. Louis just in case I wanted to stay back with my parents and couldn't find something with him. So um, we went on a lot of interviews. (laughs) And um, finally it came down to either Kentucky or Florida. And we chose Florida because uh, it would definitely be the more laid back and offer more of a work-life balance for the both of us. So that's kind of how we prioritized and looked. And I think that's the best uh, advice I can give students that are starting to look for those jobs is make a list of what you want of priorities. And I know for me, it was being somewhere close to my boyfriend, but also I really wanted good mentorship, which meant I wanted someplace that had, you know, more than just one or two doctors that I could go to advice for. 
Um, so I wanted a, a little bit of a larger clinic, more of a fast-paced clinic, and I wanted to learn how to do more advanced surgeries. So those were kind of my priorities to base my search off of. Sure. And, and I should have asked in the beginning, are you at a, a, a general, are you a general practitioner or are you doing something uh, more than, than general practice? Um, general practice, yes. Okay, great. So then the other th- question that I had is, uh, and, and specifically to you and, and your advice for others is that, um, you know, if we want to ask that question, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? <laughs> um, do you think you're going to be, did you, have you always wanted to be a general practitioner? Is that where you see yourself going with your career? Yes, I love general practice. Um, I definitely, my biggest interest is surgery, but I also love that client communication and building client relationships. Um, I love talking to clients. And so general practice really seemed like the best fit for me. And eventually I would love to own my own practice if Mm -hmm. the opportunity ever comes along. But um, yeah, right now general practice is best fit for me. And yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, because I, I always try to remember for myself and, and also, I guess, to tell peers, other people that may be worrying about this topic, too, is that your first job is usually not your last and you probably won't be there for more than a few years if we're talking about averages here. So mm-hmm. um, if you want to be, let's say, a general practitioner, but you want to start out in, in emergency medicine or vice versa, or if you want to do something just to get the experience and then move into another area of veterinary medicine. That's, that's totally fine and, and works really well. So that's kind of why I brought that up is that um, I know a lot of people that take their first job knowing that they're not going to be doing that job for more than a few years, but that they want to use that as kind of a stepping stone to get into something else. Right. Right. But also with that being said, um, I know some people who just kept saying that and I really I wanted to find my first job to be one that it would be at for a while Um, and I don't think we need to settle because there are so many opportunities out there so um, the averages do say you won't stay at your first job um, for more than a few years but um, I don't think that's something you should feel like you should settle for right Definitely. So let's talk about another one of those priorities that you had, which is a really hot topic I know right now in terms of job searches, which is mentorship. Um, I know that you haven't been in your job for terribly long, but um, how did you go about looking for a mentor and I guess evaluating what job would give you the best mentorship or if, if the job that you were looking at would provide uh, effective or valuable mentorship for you? I feel like being able to be at the clinic for at least a day or so, um, just so you can see how it runs, Mm -hmm. um, how the doctors, you know, treat their technicians and, um, how really how competent and helpful the technicians are because the technicians at my work have probably taught me way more than any of the doctors have just because you spend so much more time with them right? and they've been so great. And I think that's one of the most important things is finding a great technical staff because they will teach you more than you can imagine. And I think really what I went into with the mindset is what do I want to learn? What do I feel like I need to learn? And is this 
senior clinician or owner, someone that can give that to me. So my owner is really into um, surgery and orthopedic work. So I was like, this is perfect for me. Um, he's planning on retiring in a few years, mm-hmm. and so he kind of wants to find someone that can take over with those surgeries. So it really seemed like a good match for me and my priorities. That's really cool. Did you have that feeling when you were there for, for your visit that, like, this is the right place? Like, did you get that, like, the butterflies in your stomach, if we're going to go all cliche? Did you just feel that it was right when you went there? or? Yeah, and I did. And I wasn't exaggerating earlier when I said, 10 interviews because I, this was my 11th interview. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, I definitely think you have to be patient and if you don't feel it, I think that should be a sign for you that maybe this isn't the best place for me. Right. And, and I think that goes back to, to a really good point that you made, which is don't, don't sell yourself short and don't right. sell. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, and, and again, on the flip side, there's going to be no perfect job. I mean, there's going to be exactly always yeah. issues, but but, you know, value yourself and, and don't settle for something that you think is not going to work well for you. And it sounds like you, as of right now, you, you've got to find a great fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, of course, you're going to have to make compromises anywhere. I think um, really the biggest problem I've ran into is just wanting to do things like we did things at school, mm-hmm. which <laughs> may be the gold standard, but may not always be practical. Right. Um the average client really isn't going to spend that much money on things when there's also other good options that will work just fine. So um, just things like antibiotic choice and things like that. Right. Um, I'm learning kind of what what is the standard for uh, my clinic and um, best for our client. So Sure. So we've talked about things that you looked for, priorities that you were looking for in, in a practice that you wanted to work at. Um, let's flip it around. Are there any things that you would say were red flags for you in, in practices that you visited that, that you knew were not the right fit? Like, are there any things out there that, um, you know, prospective veterinarians at a job or, and especially fourth year veterinary students, if they see in a, in a practice or they see anywhere that you would be like, uh, this may not be a good choice. Um, there, there was one practice I went to, um, that I just did not get a good feeling at at all. Um, the interviewer was actually not a veterinarian. It was one of the veterinarian's husbands. And, um, I think he had majored in like economics or something. And mm-hmm. he, um, did like the business side of everything. Um, and he just kept going on these tangents about how no one wants to work as hard these days and you really have to work long hours and, you know, work-life balance was something that I really, um, put on my list of priorities because I don't want to get burnt out right away, you know? Totally. Um, so I don't know, that was kind of a red flag for me, just his emphasis on, um, <laughs> working longer hours and basically calling the millennial generation lazy. So, right. so he was kind of profile, profiling you as a, the millennial yeah. problem child. Yeah. And one thing that's great about my boss, um, here in Rockledge is 
you know, he says, go home, don't take your work home with you. And I think that's really important too. Definitely. So let's, so, okay, we've, we've graduated school, we've gotten the job, we found the job that we want. So let's talk about that contract signing negotiation. I, I know it's a, it's a really awkward topic to talk about, especially with, with the employer, let alone with, with friends and, and colleagues. Um, but could you just share about your experience signing the contract and if there was any weird negotiations that you had to do or, or any just kind of general advice that you would give for, for things that you saw with the process? Um, I, <laughs> I am, I guess not very well educated in like the con- contract, uh, type area. So mm-hmm. I had to ask a lot of questions and I think that's fine. I don't think you should be worried about, you know, can you clarify this or I don't really know what this means. Um, I had to do a lot of that because it is really like lawyer speak on the paper. And um, I really wish um, maybe that's something the VBMA could offer in the future is, you know, giving us like fake contracts and going through what the things mean, um, I think would be really helpful for new graduates because I just really did not know what most of this meant. Um, And I think I probably could have found some, resources to help me with that but I was kind of on a time crunch since I waited so long to accept a job but um I think you know they expect you to ask questions so don't be afraid to ask questions great um and then in terms of salary I'm not asking you to share what what you're making but um was there any negotiation with that or was there anything that um that you had a problem with or that you thought was really good with that process of the contract Um, I was pretty happy with what they offer, but, um, I know I, I had some friends that kind of had to negotiate a little bit Mm -hmm. and, um, it wasn't extremely difficult for them. I think, um, employers are really understanding about how much debt we come out with and, um, really good about compromising like, okay, how about we give you another week's vacation or something like that? Hmm. Um, if they can't exactly meet the salary that you need or want. Um, I know with my boyfriend, um, he really wanted health insurance provided. And um, sometimes with, you know, mixed animal practices or things like that, um, they don't really offer that with the contract. So his employer was like, you know what, that's a good idea to start offering. So um, he's, getting full insurance now. So, um, I think they, I think they really are willing to help us out, which is great. That's really cool. Okay. And my last contract slash slash salary question is, um, and I'm not sure if you had gotten to this point with the other practices that you looked at, or if you know of what your classmates have found in terms of the way that their compensation was set up. But I know there's a lot of talk about, especially the VBMA about starting off with a salary versus with, um, like a, a compensation production type of, um, compensation setup. So what have you yeah. found in that experience? Um, a lot of clinics do offer what they call as the pro sal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they'll give you a base salary and then like 20% production or 25% production. Um, so basically how it works or how I understand it anyway is I have to 
bring in enough um, production to meet my base salary. And then whatever I make above that, I get 25% of that. Cool. So it's like best of both worlds. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know if that's how every place works, but that's how um, my work uh, does it anyway. So um, as long as you're happy with that base salary, then really anything above that is bonus. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Before we continue on with the conversation, we're going to take a quick break and give a shout out to today's sponsor, Fear Free. Think about everything you would want in a career in veterinary medicine, a gift that will allow you to follow the veterinary oath and to prevent and relieve animal pain and suffering, to create a path where you're able to practice the best medicine, to protect yourself from injuries, to be able to love pets and have them love you back, having pet owners ask for you and singing your praises outside of the practice, and most importantly, to have fun. So with the knowledge of Fear Free, you can be financially successful and emotionally wealthy by joining the tens of thousands of your fellow veterinary colleagues who have become Fear Free certified. This amazing online education program that's sweeping veterinary medicine will allow you to do well by doing good and to be financially successful and emotionally wealthy in the greatest profession on earth. So don't delay, go to fearfreepets.com and light the booster rockets on your career. Okay, Dr. Megan, so let's get into what went down during your first week as a vet. Um, I know one of my biggest fears is like getting out of school and you go to the, the, the to work on the first day and you're like, gosh, I thought I knew what I knew, but I feel like I don't know anything. Like, what was yeah. that like for you um, when you actually got out there and became a practicing veterinarian? The first day, um, I mostly just shadowed the veterinarians, um, did some paperwork, of course, Mm -hmm. but, um, kind of just saw how they flowed and how, um, the technicians worked with the doctors and followed them through their exam rooms and they introduced me to clients, which was really nice. But the second day, um, was really great because (laughs) I actually had one of the senior doctors who's been there for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Um, He's working on a full mouth extraction on a cat with stomatitis. And he asked me, do you know how to do a flap? Which is what Dr. Meadows, you know, preached and preached about. Um, And I was like, yeah, actually I do. And he's like, okay, great, because I don't. So I want you to show me. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that was kind of cool that I was able to share some of my knowledge. Um, also a little terrifying because I hadn't done it since our dental lab, which right. gosh, I don't know, was third year maybe. Um, but it went really well and, um, he was excited to learn something new and I was just excited to be able to contribute. So, um, that was really neat. And I think that's really what, um, will help new graduates is, you know, you have something to offer too. Um, there's a lot we don't know, but you do know a lot more than you think you know. Right. And on some of the externships that I've been on too, I found that a lot of practitioners really enjoy learning from us. Cause we, like you said, we've kind of got the, the gold standard knowledge and all the latest 
tricks and uh, and tools of, of veterinary medicine, and they're interested to know what the new stuff is that's out there. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's a really kind of interesting thing and something that we don't really think about a whole lot. Right. Cool. So then uh, once you started seeing patients on your own, what was that like? Um, like I said, the clients were really great. Um, if, you know, or I was stuck on something, I would just, I think it's important to ask questions. Like you don't know something in a room. Um, you know, I, (laughs) even my owner, he says, fake it till you make it. So, um, (laughs) be confident in front of the client so they don't question you even when you do know, but, um, ask, ask questions if you're not sure. So, um, I had a classic um, GI case and, you know, vomiting and diarrhea, and the owner was extremely concerned. I told her we could, you know, treat conservatively and just monitor since it had only been going on for a day. Mm-hmm. Or if um, she wanted to do x-rays, just to be safe, we could do x-rays, and that's what she wanted to do. And so I thought they looked perfectly normal, but I just really wanted that um, reassurance of, um, the doctor double checking me and, you know, he was perfectly fine with doing that. So that's something else, um, you know, you could bring to your interview is, is it okay if, you know, I ask you for questions for, you know, the first month or two months or three months just, uh, for reassurance. Right. And I guess that comes along too with, with good mentorship also. Yeah, exactly. Great. And then are there any resources that you brought along to work with you, like any good books or um, notes that you found really helpful, at least at, at this point in, in working? Um, well, like <laughs> I've already used a lot more of my notes from classes than I thought I would. <laughs> so um, I definitely went back to that Dr. Meadows <laughs> um, dental PowerPoint. But um you know what I found on the DVM 360 website is they have some really great client handouts mm, um, that you can just download as PDFs and print out uh, for your clients. So um, we had someone bring in this one day old kitten and um, it was two younger guys and they were really excited and wanted to make sure they did everything right with this baby kitten and the mom. And, um, just wanted to know like what to expect with the milestones and things like that. And I found just a client handout on that website that was really great and explained, you know, week by week what would happen. So, um, that's a really great resource I found. Um, and then I really love the five minute consult textbook. Is Um, that the, uh, the Blackwell? Yes. Yes. That is one of my favorite textbooks. And, um, a lot of the places I've been at will have a bookshelf full of textbooks. So um, I wouldn't worry about buying your own until, you know, you find a clinic that you're going to work out and they don't have one that you specifically want because a lot of them will already have some great resources there. Right. Very good. That's good. That's really good to know about uh, about that book and then the DV or the uh, yeah DVM 360 website. Mm-hmm. All right. So going back to the interview process, um, what were some of the questions that you asked? Are there any questions that that looking back you thought were really good or or that you would recommend for uh, for fourth year veterinary students or anyone looking out there looking for a job that they ask their interviewer? 
So one of the things that was really important to me since I like surgery so much is um, how they monitor their patients during anesthesia mm. because I noticed that a lot of clinics handle this very differently. Sure. And, um, you know, if it's an AHA clinic, they might have more of the monitoring equipment, but I've also been to some clinics where they just rely on a technician with a stethoscope. Um, and I think just starting out, I would be a lot more comfortable if it had more of the equipment I'm used to at school, which, of course, not always practical. But right. um, the clinic I ended up at uh, thankfully has, um, I don't know the specific name of it, but it monitors the blood pressure and EKG That's um, really nice. and, and tidal CO2. So um, I was really happy with that. But that's definitely something you can ask during your interview. Um Another thing I like to ask is if they had protocols for their euthanasias because I really want to be able to um, be comfortable going in there and I feel like having the catheter already in is extremely helpful. Right. And a lot of clinics don't do that either. So um, just questions like that. Think about what you would be comfortable doing and um, maybe how you're used to doing them and kind of what you'd be willing to compromise on and what you might not be willing to compromise on. And if they don't have those things, ask, you know, is this something that we might be able to get? Or And that's another great thing about the clinic that I am at. Um, I asked if they had these certain dental tools, and they did it, and the manager was like, oh, well, I'll go on the website and order them right now. So oh, wow. um, just asking, you know, if they're able and willing to get some of the tools that you're used to or um, develop some protocols that you think um, would make the clinic um, run smoother or um, an appointment run smoother. Right. So, yeah. So it sounds like don't be afraid to ask for something that, that you want. Cause I mean, the words right. that they're going to say is no. Exactly. That's great. And then did, did the, uh, the quality of their equipment, their diagnostics, their, so their radiograph machine, their blood machines, all that stuff, did that have any impact on, on how you chose where you went to work? Cause I know that a, a lot of clinics, luckily not as many anymore are still working off of some pretty old and antiquated equipment, um, and I don't, unfortunately don't think it's terribly uncommon to still see that in, in places that you're looking at to work. So did that have any impact on, on your search? Yeah. Um, I really wanted digital x-rays just because they're so much more efficient and, um, you know, an appointment can go from an hour long waiting for x-rays to just 20, 30 minutes right. if they're digital. Um, so that was a great thing that, um, the clinic I cho chose has. I really wanted ultrasound, which um, not a lot of clinics have ultrasound, but that's just something I'm really interested in learning. Um, and they're hoping to get it in the future. So um, hopefully that happens. Right. <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't look at it as a necessity at this point, but. Very good. Um, and then, so talking about, again, this first week, how did the other doctors, the other staff members, um, I guess, approach you as a new doctor? Because again, another one of my, I guess, 
talking about my personal anxieties here about going out into practices that they may not take you seriously or that um, they think you're just the baby doctor that they know more than you, which of course they do. But, um, you know, there's still uh, that level of respect there that 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 needs to take place. So did you feel that that everything was kind of where it needed to be? Or did you feel a little bit like they were um, hand holding you a little bit too much? How, how was that? Well, kind of both ways. Um, I was a little taken aback on my first day because all the technicians were like, what should we call you? Dr. Megan? Dr. Burtonette? What do you <laughs> like? I'm like, uh, I don't know what I like yet. <laughs> so a little weird to be called doctor. But um, so, you know, all the technicians right away were like, oh, you're a doctor. You know, you need to be called doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's just not something I'm really used to yet. Um, they gave me my own desk, my own parking spot, and I'm like, I don't deserve any of this, but okay. <laughs> so I feel a little spoiled at the moment, but, um, kind of with the hand-holding topic, um, I did feel like I needed to make the initiative to start seeing those appointments on my own, mm-hmm. um, but mainly I feel like it's because they didn't want to push me, um, into it too fast, so... Um, if there was like a well exam coming in and it looked like it was going to be a simple appointment, I was just like, Hey, do you mind if I take this for you? Um, because they haven't necessarily, um, put appointments under me yet, Sure. but, um, they kind of let me jump in on whatever I feel comfortable doing. That's really nice. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, a great way to start out. So you're not really (laughs) being pushed in there. Pushed right into the fire right away. Sure. All right. So this is a really good time to ask you because it's the only time that I can probably ask you this. Um, you finished week one. What are you looking forward to in week two? That is a good question. Um, I guess feeling more comfortable taking those more complicated appointments and hopefully I've only done neuters and dentals so far, so Hopefully, maybe some space Mm -hmm. would be nice. And I almost convinced a rabbit owner to to schedule a spay. So darn, that would have been fun. Yeah, maybe maybe she'll call in and schedule it. But that would be cool. Yeah. Um, I really like seeing exotics too. So that was something else that was really cool that happened the first week. Is already have a rabbit patient. But super cool. Um. Yeah, I feel like I'm still asking a lot of questions on the more complicated cases that aren't just a well exam. So um, hopefully I can start nailing those within the next week or so. Super cool. Cool. All right. So before we wrap it up, um, I guess just looking back, uh, sky view of today's topic about getting out of the workplace, finishing vet school and with it being so great, but so scary and and everything in between, what advice, I guess, would you give to veterinary students, I guess, of of any year in vet school? But I think since this topic is more so pertaining to the third and the fourth years, and especially the fourth years, what advice would you give them in terms of looking for that first job and then actually getting out uh, and working? I guess just, you know, think about what you want out of your job and I guess the most, the easiest thing to do is figure out where you want to go Mm because that was the hardest part for me. 
And once you can figure out where you want to go, um, it really limits, um, or I guess filters, <laughs> which jobs you can look for and sure. narrows it down a little bit. But, um, you know, make that list of priorities of what you're interested in and what you want your clinic to have. And I think that would help a lot. Good. That's great advice. Um, and then my last question for you is, uh, you've got a great social media presence out there (laughs) and, um, you had some really great content while you're in vet school. And I know that, that, that was kind of the, the, the gist of, of what you were doing, especially on Instagram. Um, and now I know that you obviously have transitioned out of vet school and are beginning to build more of a online presence for, um, just general advice because now you can, you're actually qualified and credentialed to <laughs> give medical advice. Uh-huh. So, um, I just want to pick your brain about that. Cause that's, it's one of my favorite topics, which is social media marketing, all of that stuff. How, what's your plan with all of that? And, and, and where do you see that going? Well, my, my clinic actually, before I started, had just started um, building more of a Facebook presence, and they're actually working on improving their website right now. So, um, and that was a surprise to me when I started. Um, so I'm really excited about that and hoping that I can help out with that. But um, I prefer Instagram, so I offered to kind of open the door for Instagram for mm-hmm. them. And I just, I, I like being able to educate pet owners and I really just want to be there for other vet students or even um, students that are looking to go to vet school because it was hard for me. It was not easy for me to get through vet school. And I think what really helped me was you know, other vet students and knowing that I wasn't alone, um, in how difficult it was. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, hearing how other people deal with it and just, you know, the camaraderie of the other vet students and veterinarians. Um, it's a great profession to be in. I feel like we're all extremely supportive and compassionate and I just want to be able to be there for other vet students and veterinarians. Definitely. That's great. So where can people uh, find you online? Um, my Instagram name is Dr. Marge 18. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I definitely recommend everyone go out and, and follow you cause it's really fun. And, uh, it was really fun to kind of watch your post through the first week and, um, and just, yeah, kind of living vicariously through you, especially, <laughs> um, for the vet students that are, are sick of school and just want to get out and work and, um, and all that. It's, it's really fun to watch. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Well, thank you, sir. All right. Well, one more time, thank you so much, Dr. Began for, for coming on the podcast, for, for listening and, and for being someone really great to look up to at Mizzou and, and, and now as, uh, as you're a doctor now and, and, and doing what we all want to be doing. So thanks again for coming on, for giving such great advice. And, um, I wish you all the best of luck in your second week and beyond. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I love the podcast. I listen to every episode. Um, so it was great to be here. Great. Well, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Once more, I want to thank Dr. Megan Burtnett for joining me on the podcast today. Do not forget to follow Dr. Megan on Instagram at Dr. Marge 18. 
And thanks once more to today's sponsor, Fear Free. Do not miss the great opportunity to learn more about Fear Free and become Fear Free certified, which is currently complimentary for all veterinary students. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. And thank you for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. If you feel so inclined, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think about the podcast. For resources and more information about the podcast, please check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find me on Instagram at SethTheAlmostVet or on Facebook. You can also connect with me via email at Seth at VetSchoolUnleashed.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast, and I'd also love to hear any suggestions or topics you'd want to hear us talk about. Even reach out if you want to be on the podcast and share some insight of your own. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, dissecting the DVM. Thank you.